Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Patriots at Bears. This is Sunday NFL. Marco, who do you like and why? Well, I'm going to disappoint our forum viewers because I know they're waiting with bated breath for me to give a play because they want to fade me on a New England game. I'm passing, but I'm going to give you a lot of points in this game. And most of them do point to the Bears, but I'm not going to make So what you're telling play. me is, is if this was the first week of the year, your handicap would have led you to have at least a strong lean on the Bears. But because you've acknowledged that you don't have a real feel for this Patriots team, you're passing. Well, basically, yeah, but the, being the first week, the stuff I'm going to say wouldn't apply. This is a scheduling situation. Today. But what I, what the point I'm making is one of the things we talk about about in the podcast on Monday that I do with Dan and, and uh, oftentimes Mike on the Today in Sports Betting podcast is we talk about how a handicapper needs, it's like a golfer. He takes a swing, he hits it, it goes straight. He says, heck, that's good. Mm-hmm. He takes a swing, hits it, hits it, and it hooks, and he says, wait a minute, what did I do wrong? And then he analyzes it and swings again. A handicapper should do the same thing. Win or lose, how close was I on this bat? Were my assumptions right? If so, I'm going to repeat that process. If not, I'm going to question them. You're saying you're questioning the assumptions that you've had all along on the pats, and it makes you say, I don't get this, so I'm not going to bat it. Absolutely. I love it. All right, but give me some, give me some handicapping. Well, points. first off, it's a short week for New England. They played on Monday, and they got to travel for Sunday High intensity game. <laughs> that, is big, that was the biggest game of the year for them. First place. Not only did they beat the Jets, they embarrassed. I mean, it was like a, a statement game. Agreed. The other part of it is, you know, you've got to worry about the letdown for New England. Now, I know a Belichick team is well coached, and they don't make mistakes. So generally they don't have letdowns. But they did have a situation earlier this year, sandwiched in between a couple big games, when they went into Cleveland, and they laid an egg in Cleveland, and it was sandwiched in between. How much of that is reverse or hindsight? How much of that is they lost the game, so here's why. And, and how, because, like, why did the Steelers lose against the Saints? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can always reverse engineer that. Well, that particular week was the only week I was correct on New England because when we did talk about it on the Friday podcast that so I did. since I was right, that must have been the reason. Bad hat. Well, it was, it was a perfect sandwich no, agreed, game. Agreed, agreed. Let me, let me bring up a really interesting stat, a trend. Whenever the Patriots have 350 yards or more, I usually don't go into these trends that are that niche. Like, why 350? Why not 340? Mm-hmm. But this number's so big, I wanted to bring it up. 350 yards is a good offensive performance. Mm-hmm. Now, typically with the whole kind of zigzag, hey, they did well, the public gets excited next week, especially with offense, next week you fade them because there's a little premium on it, there's a letdown. That ha- I mean, really, we know that happens. There's a zig and zag in the NFL. Belichick is 43-20 and 20 ATS, and that's over 66%, almost uh, maybe 70, it, after they have 350 yards. So when they have a strong offensive performance, instead of 
receding back a little bit or taking a step backwards, getting a little lackadaisical, they seem to build upon that. So, so I, I would say that the Pats are less inclined to let down the most teams, and I think that number backs that up a little bit. Now, to go to the Bears for a moment, last week they were in a situational sandwich spot, which, and I did have a play on uh, Detroit last week, they covered. The Bears were able to win but not cover. They came back from being down, which showed me something on this Bear team because they were a team that that was a total flat spot. They fell behind coming off that big Philadelphia win and then having this game up. So if you could play poorly and still win, it shows me that the Bear team's a little bit better than I thought they were. And that's really perhaps one of the key points of this game is how good is Chicago because you've got the, the people who have been saying this team's fraudulent from week three, mm-hmm. after, especially after that Green Bay win. And now it's like we're, we're three-quarters of the way through the season. It, so my question is how good are the Bears? Forgetting well, everything else. I've made two adjustments major adjustments in you know on teams this year i have to adjust on the patriots what i've always ripped them on was the defense and the defense in the key games have played well they played well in the pittsburgh game forget the final score because those were garbage time points when pittsburgh finally scored in the fourth quarter and they played an absolutely lights out game monday night this defense is getting better by every week. Which is something that we usually talk about in college basketball when you have a very youthful team. Right. Is throughout the year there's an upward trend. It seems like with the Pats, that their extreme youth on defense, there's actually an extreme trend with them. They're getting better. And the other adjustment is, and I was one of those teams that did bash the Bears and said they were doing it with smoke and mirrors earlier in the season. They are getting better each week. Their defense is playing solid. You know, remember last year, Brian Erlacher was hurt, came back this year, main, you know, big cog in that defense. But I think they're actually starting to get Mike Martz, and I've never been a Mike Martz fan, but they're starting to get that offense. So, Is that the case, or is it that they're running so much? I mean, it seems like the, the, what I'm hearing from this guys that watch the game film is that the Bears are running effectively and Cutler is being put in play-action spots and not the key to winning the game, which isn't the Mart's offense. It's not the Mart's offense, but they're executing the plays that he's drawing up. But anytime you have a running game that's working, it's going to make an average quarterback good and it's going to make a good quarterback great. So what's Cutler? He's average. <laughs> I bet. Bears are 6 of 7 as an underdog. I'm not a Lovey Smith fan, and I would think when they're overmatched, they probably wouldn't play hard. So that makes me like them here a little bit. What makes me like them the most, the Bears, New England has been outgained in net on the road this season. So if you figure yardage, you know, there's a lot of computer guys that say, I'm looking at yardage. That's all I care about because turnovers are fluky and all that stuff. And really, what you're saying is by being outgained is you should be less than a 500 team. I've gone down that road all year with New I England. Hear you, I hear and, you. And I've, I've brought that up numerous times on podcast and radio shows. So it's true, but I'm not going to buy into that one. I'm going to make a last point that makes me I, – I, I lean bears here, and I'm going to project, and I'll do it now, the Patriots 21-20, so the bears getting the money, uh, slight lean – Here's why it's not more to me. The old school wise guys would say the stock for the Pats 
has never been higher than that Monday night game. Fade And if anything, the Bears are an undervalued team. It's a home dog. It's like a dream old school play. And there's probably a pro at pregame that we know is probably going to have the Bears on this. You know, there's those old. And he's not talking about me. Yeah. There's those old schoolers. I think what the new school has taught us is sometimes that a team can be valued highly without being overvalued. And that's a concept we touched on a lot with Boise State this year in college football. His team was highly valued, but probably not valued enough. I think the Pats may be a team. The, the, the way Belichick got, I mean, they looked like a, uh, you know, I don't even, it just came in my head. It was almost like an old Bill Walsh type. It was so, uh, the regimented, it was almost like Brady, if he got four yards, you only need 3.3 yards, you know, per or, or per play to get a first down. And if he got four, it was like the other team was light. Like on a bad play, they were getting four <laughs> or five. You know, unless they really let down here, I wonder if you're just being a full fade in this team, that no matter how highly valued they are, they're not overvalued. That's why I have a lean, but I'm, the old school is going to love this. I'm a hybrid, so I'm going to say slight lean. Okay, and I'm going to take an official pass. Sorry, guys, you can't fade me this week on New England. It's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to be talking Kansas City at San Diego in an interesting discussion about the quarterback likely being out for KC and what that means. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. At Chargers, Marco, right before we went on air, we found out when we were looking at the wires real quick, is that the quarterback for KC had his appendix out. No one knew it. This is Wednesday. We're taping afternoon. And right now he's 50-50 for the game. So what I want to do is I want to talk for a few minutes about how you handicap uh, uncertainty like this. Then for a minute or two, how you handicap a backup quarterback. And in this case, it's Brody Croyle. Yeah. 0 for 9 in the NFL, no snaps this season. How do you handicap that? And then we'll do a quick handicap assuming that he plays. <clears throat> All right. So we've talked about this a few times this year. Right now, the line's down. They're going to get a feel for it. But most likely what they're going to do is say if he's 50-50, the line was 7, 7 and a half. Right. It was 7. 7 with the quarterback. In my estimate, we talked beforehand, he's, the, the, he's worth about six points. So if he doesn't play for sure, the line would be 13, I think. If it's 50-50, they're going to cut it down the middle. They're going to add three points to seven, make it 10. And in a way, you're betting, do you think he's going to play or not? Because they'll keep it down for half a day or something. But they, if they don't know till Sunday, I doubt they keep this game down that whole time. So really... That's something, if you just simply want to handicap if he's going to play or not, then if you think he is, you, you, you take the 10, and if you think he's not, you lay the 10, because you're going to get three points either way. That's a mathematical concept, but an important one, because it applies to other things, like things they won't take a line down from. Will the tight end play? Maybe he's worth a point and a half. They're going to make an assumption and make the line in the middle. If you feel strongly he's going to play, or maybe his backup's better than people think, you can make, have value in arbitraging these injuries. Go ahead. In this instance, you've got two problems. 
one, and I've always talked about the injured player theory, and I, and I generally love that concept. Which it, is the second point I want to make, but go ahead. Okay. In this instance, I want you to make. <laughs> okay. In this instance, you can't do that because, you know, Brody Croyle is so bad. He doesn't have any history. Gen- so what's, what's your typical way that you handle Well, you look at like a team, and, and I'll bring up our, you know, our team, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They always had Charlie Batch sitting there as the backup for all those years. Well, Charlie Batch is a former starter. He was never a great starter, but he was above average. Right. So it was like having that utility infielder that you could plug mm-hmm. in, and then the rest of the team steps up. We don't have that with a bro, you know, Brody Croyle. So and you also probably have a little bit of a, oh, my God, this is such a key game. And, you know, Matt Castle has thrown 23 touchdowns and only four interceptions this year. He's having an absolutely amazing season. I didn't think he was that kind of quarterback when he had the fluke year at, at New England when Brady got hurt and got the big contract after you that. Know, our producer, Dustin, told us, that uh, he goes, you hear about Josh McDaniels, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but let's talk about Josh a second. Is you know it's two days late, yeah. but this guy seems of to me the fact he wanted Matt Castle seems to show that he was pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take Castle over you know the Bears quarterback right now, right? Oh, for sure. Right. So it seems like he was smart to want Castle. And remember, they ended up getting, what, two first-round picks? Mm-hmm. And, and then they traded, Castle got traded for a second-round pick. So you, you're getting a better quarterback with a much better trade. It also seems like that the, um, I'm having a mental, Edwards, the receiver, no, who's the receiver that, that left Denver? Did he go to Miami or uh, Jeff? Marshall, Brandon. Marshall. He's not doing very much, is he? No, he's not. So, in a way, McDaniels... doesn't have a good quarterback in Miami either, uh, though. I mean, coming in the year, Henny was like the ne- you know, one of the next up-and-comers. So, to me, I... Now, clearly, you can look at the Peyton Ellis trade and be like, to me, that's the thing that sticks out. But you've got to wonder, is, did they bail on McDaniels so early? Is, is really his decisions blowing that team up seem good in hindsight other than, Al- than, than Peyton Ellis? I think Al- that it was such a severe change in that climate with all of the personnel changes but also if you remember he started his career six and oh and this team has been horrible ever yeah, since but, that. but but the, the fact is is that when you blow a team up it's usually horrible jimmy johnson was one in 15 his first year right so i mean if you believe in the plan you give him a couple years but you know that's a little side conversation so you we're going to go and handicap this game as if he's playing castle but what you're saying is the typical Marco, I'm going to play on the team that's going to rally around the backup, does not apply here. doesn't apply here because there is so much question whether or not Castle will play. Then the second part of the handicap is if Castle plays, are they going to alter the game plan? Because this is not an injury. This, is, this was a surgery that wasn't So planned. he's not going to be 100% no matter what. He's not going to be 100%. Are they going to protect him and run the ball more? You know, and limit so the this, this line goes up, even if he's announced playing, this line goes over seven. It probably does. And, and coming into today, I actually had this as one of my better podcast plays. It wasn't my best bet, but it was one of my better plays. I like this game to go over. This is a big game for Sandy. So, so give, me, give me two minutes on a handicap here, assuming Castle plays. Well, life or death, this game is San Diego. The season's over for the Chargers if they lose this game. How many times have I heard that the last couple of years? <laughs> well, we're in December. They did something they haven't done since North Turner's been there last week. 
That was lose a December game at home. They had not lost at home in December since 2005. Impressive. You know, in, they did it in fashion against the Raiders that once again, two things stuck out in that game. The Raiders ran the ball all over San Diego last week, and we came in. The Chargers had had decent yardage statistics defensively this year. More than decent. You know, that was very uncharacteristic. Which brings up one of my points, and I'm going to make it in the next, the Philly-Dallas game too, is to me there's talent, matchups, motivation, and details. How good's a team? How do the teams match up? How motivated are they? And then the little intangibles, the details. To me, handicappers always underestimate the intangibles. And to me, forgetting everything else, <coughs> I like KC because I think they're one of the best intangible teams. I think San Diego is one of the worst. And usually with the bad intangible teams, you always think, well, this is the week they're really going to put it together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do. And I faded the Chargers against the Colts. And now everyone that took the Chargers, you know, it ended up being like pick. You know, at home, in, you know, mm-hmm. feels really smart. But this is the same team that the intangibles allowed them to get blown out at home. I just can't bet the Chargers no matter what. Well, I don't trust them as a favorite either, and it's why I was looking at the over. And the one thing that I'm looking at in this game, now KC had a low-scoring game last week, and they have won three games in a row. But I want to point out that their three-game winning streak has come against Arizona, Seattle, and Denver. Those are not good ball yeah, clubs. Yeah, but KC's leading the division. I mean, it's, it seems eight and four. They're the, leading the division, a division that is underachieved all year. It doesn't matter. They're eight and four. And if anything, it's, if you look at this division and look at Oakland and, and San Diego, I mean, it's hard to say this is like a, you know, Denver not great, but this isn't like some, you know, horrible division either. Let me make a quick point about backing up KC's intangibles. Six of seven as a dog, which is a team you would, as a dog, you think intangible teams are going to keep it close. And San Diego had over 200 yards in the matchup, that week one matchup with these two teams, 200 more yards and still lost the game. Another sign of a lack of intangibles. Which that first game was a low scoring game. And if you remember that first Monday, it was played in a monsoon. There was, it rained out in most of that game. So if, last question, if he, uh, Castle plays, do you still like the over or him being less than 100% takes you off it? I still like the over, but I don't like it as strong because I think they will try to feature the run more to protect him to not take the hits in the passing game because of the surgery. Unconventional, but good stuff. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up we're going to be talking... The Eagles at the Cowboys Sunday night football. Marco's best bet. Whoa, Marco's best bet. (laughs) I buried the lead. All right, we'll be back. Eagles at Cowboys Sunday night football. Marco, this is your best bet. Who do you like and why? Well, I like Philadelphia. They've had three extra days to prepare. Remember, they played on Thursday night last week. The Dallas Cowboys, I know they've covered all four games since Jason Garrett's taken over. That stops today. They're still giving up too much yardage defensively. They've been benefiting from turnovers like last week. So you think this, this result under the new coach is a little fraudulent? It's a little bit fraudulent, yes. All right. Let's back up about the extra days of rest. How do you handicap this? A bye is a full week off in the NFL. 
the Thursday to Sunday game is 10 days or, you know, the extra couple days. Now, Reed, Coach Reed, is famous for being awesome off of buys. A lot of people are attributing Belichick's performance with the Pats on Monday night to the extra time to prepare. How do you pretty much split it down the middle and say, I'm going to give this half as much consideration as if it were a buy, or how do you do it? I give it consideration. I think, RJ, where, where the benefit is, it's not so much the extra prep time because it's, you know, you're getting two extra days. I think it's body recovery time for these teams late in the season because we don't have these Thursday games till whoa, after. Whoa, whoa. So you're bucking, you're bucking the experts here. I'm not saying the body recovery time isn't an issue, but that's equal for everyone. So I guess you could say who's a little bit more beat up and they have a low extra edge. When one team's playing that played on Thursday the week before, playing a team that played on Sunday, it's okay. a huge yeah. advantage. So, so that's an advantage, but the coach, so fair, but the coach doesn't affect that. No, the coach so, so I'm making the point that Reed, this extra time is going to help Reed even more, just like the experts were making the point that the extra time helped Belichick even more. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that. The better coaches, the more time you give them, the better it's going to be. So yes. you're saying there's the recovery time late in the year, which you know the buys happen what between week four and week 12, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and I think that's right. And now, even later, this time's even more valuable. Right. You're bang. The season's going longer. You've got injuries. Players got to play longer because they're thinner. The other thing that I, you know, looking at this game, Dallas, the defense has given up 333 yards passing. They're averaging giving up 333 in their last four games. So I like this because this is another example how stats can lie. Clearly, if you ever have to ask yourself, does motivation matter? Does team continuity, this team, uh, a team gelling, does that matter? Chemistry. Chemistry is a good word. This Dallas team, I mean, one of the worst teams to now, certainly in the top half of the league at this point, you would think. So, and, and it's the point we made on the Chargers. There's talent, matchup, motivation, and intangibles. And to me, the Cowboys lacked intangibles and they lacked motivation under Phillips. And now they have seemingly both. They were the Super Bowl favorites entering this year. They were a fumble away from beating the Saints. Mm -hmm. Do you really think, to me, at three and a half, my thinking is there's a slight premium on, the Vic premium, I'll call it, on Philly. And I'm not sure Dallas is getting enough credit. Well, there's no question the stock on Philadelphia is at its highest point. I can't despite that. But this is a, a situation where Dallas, how are they going to stop Vic? What, what should the line be in this game? This is what I always, this is, I, th- I smell a bat. By the smell way. a bat. Time. I smell okay. a bat. And, I, and I'm crazy. You, you what what do, are you on your yeah, best I was going to say, you do realize I'm 10 and 4 on my best bet. You're 10 and 4? 10 and 4. So are you going to give me like plus 130 on this? No. <laughs> to bet you, I should be getting yeah. points. I, or I should be getting like either a couple extra points. Actually, but, to be betting against me, you should be getting a free ride to the mental hospital. Ah! That you should be getting. <laughs> I'm going to bet you on this. What should the line be? Well, because you're saying the line should be five and a half or six. I, if you're laying three and a half, I have Philadelphia winning by seven. My handicap has Philly winning by seven in a high-scoring game. All right, so give me give me your give me your projection. It's thirty one twenty four Philadelphia. The line open three. It's at three and a half. So if you want to take Dallas and three and a half, we can we can do it for the nickel. 
Well, let me ask you this. We got your best bat. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you have any opinion on the total? Because I have a strong opinion. Well, I said 31-24, so that, that goes over. Oh, so over. you do like the over, yeah. I love the over. So I'm going to set that off to the side real quick. Three and a half. You know, your money's so sweet. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. All and right. plus three and a half. Everyone out there in, in the Internet saying, RJ, I thought he was smart. He's paid my, I'm smart but stubborn. All right, let me let's talk the over for a second. Now, you know, back up one more second. How, what would this line be if this was the, if this were the fifth game of the year, and Garrett had coached for the whole year? Cowboys three and one, one play away from being four and all, four and Philly playing well too. Isn't the line in this game? Dallas two and a half or three? Uh, yeah, absolutely. For the way so, they came into this season. So my question is, isn't that the true handicap here? It isn't this team. What, what do, can we completely discount what happened in the first eight weeks or whatever? If you can, then you're getting six or seven points of value if you play Dallas. So you've got to convince me and the, and, the, and the viewers and listeners, how can you not? What, what is the carryover that has any validity? Well, Philadelphia is not the same team that they were at the beginning. But I'm, of the not, I'm saying if Philly had been the last four weeks and Dallas had been the last four weeks, I think you would say both teams are playing exceptionally well. Both teams, Dallas came in, maybe Philly's playing a little bit better, and Dallas came in the year with a little more talent. Now, maybe you could make the case that Vic wasn't expected to be as good as mm-hmm. he is. But in your opinion, how many points is Vic worth over Cobb? If, if Vic got hurt today and Cobb came in, how would this line change? Uh, it would change drastically. Drastically? Philly, Philly would be like one. They you would be minus v- one. You're saying Vic's worth two and a half points over Cobb through the number three. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to hear in the comments what you guys think because that feels high to me. That feels high to me. All right, we got our back. Remember that just a couple weeks ago, Drew Brees came into Dallas on Thanksgiving Day and was laying the same number, three and a half. And Dallas has played three good games since, and they played good in the New Orleans game, two other good games, right? Am am I counting that right? No, just one other since Dallas. We only played one game since Thanksgiving. Okay, so they played one game. So so they've played two good games since then. The, the good game and last, really, last New Orleans, week. That brings up a good point. Is What's the line on a neutral between Philly and, New Orleans, and, and the Saints? It's pick them, right? It probably is pick them because I think right now, I mean, who do you put on top? Who are you put on top in the NFC? You know, I, I got to think, you know, I don't know if I'm hearing it on ESPN so much, but Green Bay healthy. But, you know, I think you could make a good point for it, well, we, there's the home field with Atlanta at home. You know, at home, I think it's Atlanta. Right. I'm not sure on a neutral if it isn't Green Bay, but I'm not sure if Philly can't beat any team on any given day with Vic. They, they do have that X factor that on any given day they could beat a team by 21. Except maybe the Steelers. <laughs> Let me make my case for the over because it's so freaking simple. Dallas has gone over nine straight times. The last four with Garrett and five before that. Philly has gone over seven of eight. These teams are going over. Fifty and a half is a big number. I'm not sure if it's big enough. I think I have a strong lean over simply because these teams are playing over so much. I think sometimes the lines maker doesn't catch up. All right, we got our bat? 
We got our bet. I got Philly minus three and a half, and you can tune in next week to watch him give me $500. It's your turn to continue <laughs> the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're finishing the week with Monday Night Football. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Ravens at Texans, Monday Night Football. I'm taking the lead with my free pick here. Marco, let me get some thoughts from you first, though. We're both big Steelers fans. At some point in this video, I'm sure I'm going to talk about how excited. I think I burst a <laughs> blood vessel in my eye. But, but the fact is, what was your takeaway from that game about the Ravens? Well, the Ravens, they're still good. I know you're going to say they're not as good as you, you know, they're overrated. The Ravens, I've been saying they're overrated all year. I know you. I've been right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You know, the Ravens aren't. If you, well, let me ask you: How have you adjusted the Ravens' power ranking from week one? Um, the Ravens, I haven't adjusted them because I had them high to start. That's I, what I'm saying. So you're saying you're not slightly disappointed in this team? Where I'm disappointed is I don't think their defense is. I don't care why. I'm asking: Are you dis? Do you think the Ravens are the same as equally good as you did in week one? I'm not that far off of it, really. But, but you do, you, you feel like they're a little bit less. Uh, I don't, no, you're, you're well, trying to get me to agree cra- with no, you. No, no, I'm trying to get you to actually say something one way or the other. I think they are what they are. I, did, what the did, heck does that mean? They're, they're where I expected them to be at this point of the season. Them and so the Steelers should, separating themselves from the rest of the division. My God, that's too generic. Is, right, is Baltimore was the, Pittsburgh's over and under win total entering the year was eight. Okay, Which so you, a, do you have a big ticket? Do you have I, a big ticket on Pittsburgh over? I gave it out on Gill Show at the first right, so week you of the li- season. All right, so congratulations. But, but no, I mean, that's a sign <laughs> you had that right. Uh-huh. But, you know, Jimmy Vaccaro, who's as respected as you get, said Pittsburgh wasn't going to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't people, people weren't, it wasn't a minority that thought they were going to go eight. And it, eight. Was a, it was an rea- overreaction to Ben not being there for the first four weeks. But, but what I'm saying is a lot of people had the, I mean, on ESPN, I think more people had the Ravens to win the Super Bowl or to be the AFC representative than any other team. Right now, clearly it's hard to put them ahead of the Pats, and it's hard to put, at best, the third in the AFC. If, you, if I was like, second? Well, the Pats and the Steelers. Okay. Well, let me ask you: if we were doing a, if we were doing a, uh, what do you call that? A draft, but it was, it, you know, we got to pick teams in order, and I let you pick first. I let you have the first two picks in the AFC, and I get the first two picks in the AFC. Who are you picking? Well, based right now, you got to look at New England. I'm not at based right. When do you think? Based in three weeks, who are you picking? <laughs> I'm not. I actually have Pittsburgh third, behind. I have New England. I think all four teams are so close. I really do. I, I, the Jets and the Pats are really close? Nobody is as good as their best game. Or no, I know, bad but, but, but I mean, they're, they, these they, are four solid football teams. They each have a flaw. Each team has a flaw. I smell a bat. So here's what we'll do. I'll take Pittsburgh and New England. You take the Jets and Baltimore, and I'll give you 600 to 500. To who's going to be the yeah. AFC champ? Well, you know I can't take Boy, it. Boy, how in the world? How it's a hedge? How in the world can you say that it's imperceptible? I couldn't even get an answer out of you. I'm laying 120. Here, here's the. You didn't believe what pro- you said. No, here's the problem with Pittsburgh. Why I don't put them on the top. Then echelon. take the bet. 
Their, their offense is not getting the drives done. Again, so it, take the bet. Again, if it didn't come down to Troy saving the day on Sunday take night, the they would. <laughs> See? That, oh, the money talks, baby. Yeah. All right, let's get back. We're, we're, we're four minutes in, and we haven't even talked about this game. So you're saying you, you're as high on the, almost as high or as high on the Raven, Ravens. All right. My takeaway was this offense is, is nothing. I mean, thank God they got Bolden because the guy, he's a beast. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they can't run. Uh, I, I mean, he, you could say, hurt him. You remember they were going against the best rushing defense in football. Well, I, you know, I mean, against good team, good, you know, true enough, but I don't, I guess they hardly could, you know, maybe you're right. I mean, have you been watching, are they running effectively? They, they've moved the ball effectively during the year. Their offense, their offense has played better overall than you would expect with a Baltimore team. I in I think except this year everyone agrees their defense is down. I agree a hundred percent with that. But looking at this game, the thing that jumps out to me, you've got a huge scheduling advantage for Houston in this game. They played on Thursday last week. Baltimore played on Sunday. Not only did they play on Sunday, they played on Sunday night. Okay, a few more hours, a little bit less time to prepare, recover. But they played an absolute bloodbath of a game. They were carting people off the field in that game. I mean, you can't. Yeah, it's hit nice anyone. for the Ravens. They can punch people. They can <laughs> snap their necks. They don't get penalties. Yeah, it was, it was a bloodbath. I will tell you. But it good was, job, that NFL. Kind, that kind of game takes a toll on your body. The physical. And and you. That's one of your handicapping principles. Is whenever you play the Steelers or the Ravens look to fade that team the next week because physically they're just a little beat up. So you take that and add to the fact what the magnitude of what the game was. If Baltimore would have held on for those final four minutes and won that game, in essence, they won the division because the Steelers, although they would have only been one game behind, would have, in essence, been two because they would have no, lost no the season doubt, series. No doubt, no doubt. So, I mean, it, that was a big-time loss. They're coming in here. They got a flat. They can how, come how in much, flat. We talked about this with Philly having ten days off against Dallas. How much do you diminish that advantage because the assumption is the Houston coach isn't very good? It, it, it you know it is a situation that you know coaching will is the great equalizer. But I'm going to go back to last week, and it's only one week, you know, to look at. But all the teams that played on Thanksgiving Day the week before. You had the early game was New England and Detroit. Then you had New Orleans and um, Dallas and the Jets in Cincinnati. Every team covered last week that came off of Thursday except the Jets because somebody had to lose. They both played on Thursday. All right, that's a good point. A couple other things makes me like, you know, I, I, I'll give my projection right now. I, I'm going to say Baltimore slips by here. To me, it's a pure value play. I think Baltimore's still a little overrated. You make good points about the situation, and it really is a bad spot for Baltimore. I got Baltimore 24-23. I'm taking the points with Houston. Ravens, road favorite, 4 of 15. Texans, I'm surprised because I don't like their intangibles, 8 of 11 as a home dog. So it's a good spot for the Texans when you look at it that way. Here's the last question I have for you. The Ravens, for the first time I've heard, a little squawking in the locker room after the game. Mason, their wide receiver, saying, why did I come back if we're going to lose these kind of games? A lot of talk about what's wrong with the offense. 
do you do you see that being you know with Harbaugh? I haven't seen a lot of that. Do you look at that as negative, positive, or neutral for the Ravens? That's never a positive. Whenever the locker room, when you know, you don't want a divided locker room. If the offense starts pointing fingers at the defense or the defense vice versa, that's not a good situation. Um, I I'm going to give you another point here where I think there's some yeah, added last value. point. Houston has lost five of their last six games, but if you go deeper into the schedule and look at the schedule that they played, you know they played Indianapolis, San Diego. Jacksonville, Jets, and Philly. All of those teams were playing well when they played them. And some close losses. In a way, the fact the losses were close has been more of an indictment to Houston. It's like this, this, this team just simply can't win a close game. Knee-jerk reaction. As good as that game was on Sunday night, people automatically will say, you know, look for Baltimore to bounce back, you know, because it was yeah, a tough loss. Yeah. Sometimes you have a loss in that fashion. It's like, you know, going out and drinking and you have a hangover the next morning. It's tough. All right. Well, that's what I'm predicting. Now, by the way, we're going to end the show with a chance to win $100. Is We do this every Monday night. You go into the YouTube comments section. You post the score of the game. Project it before the game. Project, you know, Baltimore this many points, Houston this many points. If you get the score exactly right, you win 100 pregame dollars to spend any way you want at the site. We do that every week. No obligation, no risk. Take your shot. If you win, you cash. All right, Marco, good stuff this week. We'll be back next week with breaking down more games from a Las Vegas perspective.